When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 486 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton. He's Emil Evanesian. And we've got two things on tap for you today. One, looking over the preseason roster and previewing some of the Barca Femini at the Women's World Cup. That's number two. Both of those things kick off in the next two days. Sounds like there's no rest for the wicked, Emil. There really isn't. It's really funny. We were talking. I was having lunch with uh, last weekend with some friends. And we were saying that, I guess, what is it, like August 12th or 13th is when uh, the, the La Liga season actually begins. And, I mean, it's asinine. I, mean, I, I do think sometimes they literally get shorter and shorter, but it really just the viscerally, it feels like the, the off season is shorter and shorter every every year. Well, this one actually was was, was because... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's about a, a week or two because of the World Cup, that being mm-hmm. the Men's World Cup over the winter, that pushed everything back like a week or two. And everything gets started around the same time. So that means that we also don't have time, nor do I care too much to talk about the Zhao Felix rumors. So we won't do that. Let's start again with the first team heading to America here. Before we get to the 32 names on the U.S. tour, let's talk about the names that didn't make the cut. And that starts with Nico Gonzalez and Arnaud Tenas. Nico was told personally by Xavi on Monday that he would be getting limited minutes this season. Does that mean he's going out on loan again, or he's going to be sold with a buyback? Seems like Porto's the favorite, and they would like to purchase him or at least have a loan with not a mandatory a mandatory purchase option, but something that they can easily reach. And then there's Girona and Real Betis are the two other options, but it seems like Porto is the favorite here. And you know, 
all three of those teams are what I'd expect his level to be. He wants yeah. to play Champions League football. That means Porto would be the answer. And you sure as heck, if you're Barcelona, better try to keep that buyback clause low in case he does blow up and in case he does become something special. And then Arnaud Tanas, he will not be the third goalkeeper next season. And it seems like at 22, his time at Barca is over. And it's tough because as a goalkeeper coming from the club's academy or any club's academy, you either have to have perfect timing and you have to have either a backup spot when you get it, like Inaki Pena did, or you're not going to have any opportunities at all, even as a third goalkeeper, that being Arnaud Tanas. And Inaki Pena meant that Tanas could never have that perfect timing. It's unfortunate. And obviously Ter Stegen, it's not that having a backup matters matters too much. But yeah, in case of emergency, you want to have the best backups you can have. And Inaki Pena, is he that? I'm not sure about that. But Arnaud Tanas, there was no reason at 22 for him to be sitting around for another year. Now, going through the rest of that list, Anahal Alakan isn't fit yet. That's why he didn't make the trip. He could be around the first team later, though. We'll have to see what kind of uh, attacking needs Xavi needs this season. Chadi Riyad and Astanas Pedrola, center back and winger, both appear to be going out on loan. Less likely they'll be sold. More likely they'll be going on a loan to a second division team or a low-level first division teams. And again, if there was a transfer, either of those players, there would be a buyback included. Then the players who were training from the academy and didn't make the trip, that being Mark G, Pau Prim, Pau Kubarsi, and Hector Four. I wasn't sure about them because of the positions they play, whether or not they would make the trip. Because I think the positions they play, that being G is a number nine, which could be useful for the first team at the moment until Vita Roque shows up next summer, of course. Prim is a defensive midfielder, which of course is a need. Kubarsi is a really highly rated center back at 16. And Hector Fort, a promising right back, who is still just 16 too. And for Fort, I've seen the reports, and I, I, well, I did not watch the U17 Spain squad. It's been said that he has struggled the last few months for club and country, but he is also 16 and was playing up a bunch of levels in all those competitions, so I'm not sweating any of that at all. But in the case of those four, yeah, it just seems like a little bit too soon for two 17-year-olds and two 16-year-olds, so Xavi decided to keep them in Barcelona even again, though I think they get their call-ups in training because of the positions they play and those are positions of need. So then you have Alex Callado. He's already on his way to Real Betis, having forgiven half of the remaining, apparently 2.7 million on his contract. So cheers to him. Cheers to Alex Callado for, for taking that little bit of pay cut to get out. Barca also have a 30% selling clause, which is rather high for a player, again, that paid his own way out. Not because he was just going to get out, just because, again, he was doing a part of the club. But again, apparently that was about 2.7 mil less on the contract. So again, if he paid half of that, that's about 1.35 mil out of his own pocket. And he has not made that much money either. So for him to pay that much, that's kind of a bet on himself that he'll have much more success financially in the future as well. Of that whole list here, it starts the only real surprise, I guess, would be Nico Gonzalez. But Mm -hmm. it seems like he and Kessie, as we've already talked about, were inextricably tied together. Kessie is probably sticking around. That Mm -hmm. means Nico is not. And, and, and that was pretty much set in stone. And Xavi, again, told him personally, I'm not going to have minutes for you. Well, I think there's that. Yeah. Cause, I mean, so I do recall we, I believe it was the last time I was on, but one of the last couple of times I was on, we talked about that exactly, where just given what the club has, what the club is potentially looking to add and, you know, how, and just based on what they've gotten out of Kessie and, you know, what Nico Gonzalez has shown, there wasn't going to be room for both of them. I mean, it would just create too much... I don't. I don't know that the the depth that you would get by keeping Kessie and Nico on the roster is worth you know sort of the logjam that you would create and 
you know, essentially you're either going to want, no one's going to be happy. I mean, either you're going to have two guys who are splitting minutes and, you know, no one's happy or one guy's going to be happy with his minutes and you're basically mothballing the other one on the bench. Look, I mean, there's been little in, you know, over the past year, year and change with Nico to suggest that he is on the verge of, of blowing up. I mean, I agree with you that if Barca do loan him out or, you know, or sell him with a buyback, uh, particularly sell him with a buyback, you know, they would do well to keep that number manageable just on the, ch- you know, on the chance that he winds up being a an extremely valuable player down the line. But I don't know, in a weird way, I think if you can sacrifice some of that, some of that, you know, lottery ticket element of that transaction to just get more money now, because I, I don't know how wildly optimistic I am that there is a sort of a Nico blows up and also Nico blows up in a way that's conducive to thriving in Barca's system. Like, I, I don't know how how wildly optimistic I am about that. Yeah, I mean, but it does show not only if Nico were to have tried to stick around, he would have been mm. the seventh midfielder if Kessie <laughs> exactly, yeah. isn't leaving. And even if Kessie does, though, like the conversation that Xavi had with Nico was probably the same one that he had with Pablo Torre, who stuck around last year, who is now going on loan to Girona with that Oro Romeo deal with Romeo, of course, and the mm-hmm. transfer fee coming the other way. Because right now you have, again, your five midfielders, if you will, Gabi, Pedri, De Jong, Gunigan, and Romeo. And then your six is Kessie, the way that Pablo Torre was a six last year, and he didn't get many minutes. So you expect that Kessie won't get too many minutes. And then you throw Nico Gonzalez on that depth chart. Yeah, and completely unsustainable. Uh, and even if Nico had stuck around, maybe the, Xavi has told Kessie that, hey, I mean, you really will not play here. And if you'd like to leave and somebody gives you a big number, then we'll, we'll, we'll see you see the door fine. But for Nico, again, in the long term, he wants to succeed at Barcelona, which, again, might be just different for timelines, again, for Nico and for Kessie. Because, again, Kessie's timeline might, might not fit Gunnigan's in a way that uh, you'd have to hope for, for Nico that he would think that his does. Now, for the players who may be getting on another plane while they're over there, I don't know if Kessie's on that list, but we'll start with the ones who are definitely on that list. And the club, it basically means instead of, you know, getting on another plane halfway through, it basically means the club couldn't move you yet. And obviously still looking to move you. Juan Araujo is actually the biggest surprise for me. He seemed to be heading out to Las Palmas on loan. I didn't think he'd ever come back to Barcelona because, again, he was at the Gold Cup with Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I figured he would just kind of get that move done with his agent and then head just right there. The but I guess, yeah, but I guess it is taking a little bit longer for that to happen. So just because you get on that plane doesn't mean that you can't get on another one in the case of Juan Araujo. <laughs> Along with him, Des, Lenglet, and I'd say Abde, they're all kind of players in limbo right now. Yeah. But of that bunch, Emil, obviously the biggest questions are about what Abde can prove to Xavi. Mm-hmm. I think he gets some minutes on the tour. And it's so interesting because if Barcelona get, as I said, a 60, 70, 80 million euro offer for Rafinha, as important as Rafinha was last year, yeah. now you have a rotation if you're willing to take Ferran Torres on the right with uh, to value the backup to Dembele. And then you have Ansu and Abde on the left. I mean, as far as function and purpose, it means there's less dead weight in the squad. That's really the question you're asking, right? Is Abde so much of a downgrade from Rafinha that... And and then for Ferran Torres, is Ferran Torres going to be that much of a downgrade from Rafinha as the backup right winger? Exactly, yeah. A starter, as we know, for 35% of the season when Dembele inevitably goes down with that injury. So are you going to trust Ferran Torres to be the starter on the right wing? I mean, it feels like a downgrade here, but it also feels like Abde deserves to be in the squad. And I think that's kind of where Xavi's stuck with this. 
When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now, what you said, now, I, I don't know if anything will get done with Rafinha before the season, and but hypothetically, if it did, and, and I'm not even saying this, I'm not pounding the table that, you know, they should get rid of Rafinha or anything like that, but hypothetically, if they did, if they got a, you know, a really, a great offer where they either recoup everything they paid or shoot, even get something a little bit more, 75 million, let's say. I absolutely do think that as your second right winger, Ferran Torres and... 75 million euros, 75 million euros and Ferran Torres being what, 65, 70%. And that's probably being unkind to, to Torres uh, of Rafinha is 
I mean, it's honestly, it's good business. And it also declutters the roster in a way where you have a much, I don't know, there's just a much more straightforward depth chart. You know, you have your two guys on the right and you have your two guys on the left because with Dembele and, and Rafinha, obviously Dembele is sort of the, I guess like the default first choice as long as he's healthy. As of right now, I don't think Ferran Torres has a claim to, I don't know how, how convincingly or how, how emphatically Ferran Torres could, could uh, want or demand a starting job, but in a way that Rafinha for his second straight year, if he's the second choice on the right wing, might start agitating for, you know, a bigger role or something like that, or just, you know, any some sort of discord uh, might arise from that. But I think this way you have a very clear hierarchy in each position and you have, okay, not crazy depth, but you have two players who are suited and comfortable in each of those positions. And you sort of, you know what you have, you know, who's number one in each spot, you know, who's number two, a little bit of it comes. And I realize you know, no one is purely sort of the, the quarterback, like in an American football way. When they say like, if you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. In some of these cases, when you have kind of, sometimes it's clutter masquerading as depth. And so I think this way, it just, it, it declutters. So you know who you have, what you have, and what position they're playing. Yeah, which is weird, actually, for the left wing there, because it means that, yes, of course, Xavi could play the four midfield, and that throws everything out of whack when we're talking about this. But I think in a perfect world, Xavi would continue to love to try to play with three up top, three forwards up top, then three midfielders and, and, and four at the back. In theory, or maybe again, he's going to try to switch to this this three two five attacking all the time with a an additional midfielder. Then we're not having to worry about it. And now you're saying, well, for I mean, there's a log jam with that anyway. But now instead, you just get to say, hey, Farron, Ansu, you're really not going to get any minutes because that's going to be what's going to happen on that left wing because you're going to have Balde, particularly as your as your left winger with that inside forward on the left side instead of the right side with Dembele out there. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Abde certainly adds something different. And he can inject something different from the bench. And again, the point is, financially, he's a lot cheaper. A lot, lot cheaper than Rafinha in all those regards. So I think if the club is willing to do it, but it seems like Rafinha, very much like Ferran Torres, all those forwards are kind of hellbent, especially the ones with amortization on their contracts are all hellbent on staying at Barcelona for the season. And I mean, again, who's to blame them? They, they just won the Liga. They're looking to be part of the next big project, and that's why they want to stick around. Now, Academy Kids. Mika Faye just turned 19, left-footed center back, came in from Senegal, is impressing in training. His positioning and physicality seem to be what Xavi is liking. Obviously, you and I have never seen him, but I'm excited to see him. So the fact that he immediately signed and is being immediately brought, I think, is a good sign. Uh, because of the number he was bought for and where he was bought from, I don't think this is like a cachet thing. Like They didn't bring him from another academy. He came from Senegal. They did the scouting, and I know they pipped some other teams for him. But for him, again, to just be brought in and not send immediately down to Barca Athletic, I don't think that was in his contract. I think he did actually impress. Mark Casado, he's still just 19. And so it's not entirely do or die for him because, again, he's just 19. And I didn't see him, and I've always said this, I don't see him as the, the pivot of the future. I don't think Xavi does either. But he's clean. He works hard, plays his position well. And as I've said for two years now, he looks to me like he's going to be a good professional. But there is a lack of certain elite skills, especially with the ball with long balls in particular, that will prevent him from making it with Barca's first team. But still, at 19, don't know what his ceiling is. I think there is still even farther high or higher to go, if you will. 
And I wonder if we'll see even more of that or how much time he'll actually give him this preseason tour. But he definitely could be certainly some kind of depth somewhere. I don't, again, very much not like the first team. I think his ceiling, to be honest with you, is just below Carlos Alenia's. And we know that Carlos, I know they play a little bit of different positions. Casado plays a little farther back than Alenia naturally did. But the point is, I think their level could be very similar with, again, Casado, I think he is still farther up to go with his ceiling. I think Alenia, actually, this Hadafe version of him, because of where he chose to go, I don't know if this Hadafe version of Alenia is actually almost the, not worst case scenario, obviously worst case scenario is gone or second or third division. But as far as Alenia, if you play his career out when he was 16 years old, 10 times, I think he's around number four of 10, if that makes sense, like from with, with one being the worst. So I, I think like four of 10 as to where his career could have gone. Uh, so Casado, it depends on where he chooses to go or, or how he progresses. Andre Astralaga, which is uh, also 19, came from Athletic Club when he was 14. He's going to be, I've heard the third goalkeeper and Barca Athletic starter this season, kind of oscillating between the two, which makes sense. He actually doesn't have as high a ceiling is what I've been told or what, what I see from Arnaud Tanas, I've only seen Astralaga like once or twice before. And then, because behind him, Diego Cochin and Aaron Yakabashival, uh, Bishivili rather, they are both 17 at the moment and are viewed as the goalkeepers with much higher potential. But as I said about timeline and goalkeepers before, one of those two may match up with Ter Stegen's timeline at 17, while Astralaga may just be a Barca athletic starter and then moves on. Again, he is 19 at the moment. Lamine Yamal, just turned 16, about to sign his contract in 2026. No comments on him. I, obviously, he's there for those reasons. How much playing time he gets this year? Well, I think he might make the same number of squads he did last year or more. So I got nothing on Lamine Yamal. Of course, he's there. Fermin Lopez turned 20 in May. That's the name that no one knows. That's the name that people are going to be asking about. He did go out on loan to Linares last season in the third division. And he put up 12 goals and four assists in 40 matches as an attacking midfielder and was the hub of their offense, even in the third division, that says something. So I'll repeat it once again. said his story before, I'll repeat it again. He was in a promising midfield with Jorge Alastui, who unfortunately injuries killed his career. He's down in the third division right now, try, at 21, trying to figure it out. And then Chus Alba, who's still with Barca Athletic. Xavi doesn't seem to be keen on him. He's still 20. And then Marcosado. But due to not growing like the rest of the other three of them, he was by far the smallest player on the field with the U18s when I watched him. And he did that. And that means he had to do a second year with the U18s as well. So he did not move up to the U19s as everybody else. You fast forward three years, and he's not only grown into his body quite a bit, but now it seems like he's really found his way as a player. Confidence can be a helpful thing. And it seems like he is coming to that preseason with a lot of confidence. And yeah, I have no idea now what happens. It seems like if he sticks around Barca, he's going to be one of the better players for Barca Athletic. And that is really exciting. In a way that last year, I believe Antonio Aranda went on the tour. And he was 22 at the time. And I knew he didn't have a high ceiling. Everybody knew that. But yeah, for me, Lopez, again, just turned 20 two months ago. Who knows where his ceiling is? Very exciting. Two more. Alex Valle, left back, went on loan to Andorra last January. He was a regular for Barca Athletic but he made the jump up to the second division to play with Andorra, where he became the backup there playing seven matches. So he is physically getting there. And obviously with Marcos Alonso hanging around, taking a look at left back depth, not a bad thing. I don't know how high Alex Valle's ceiling is, but again, you never know. I mean, he's 19, so jumps happen. It can happen. Alex Balde obviously is always going to probably be blocking him in terms of you know players at 19 at the left back spot. But again, it's always good to have depth. Alex Garrido is the last one. He's interior. We saw him in one cameo last season. He will play with Barca Athletic this season and arguably be the most important midfielder. 
And to me, you know, watching him play, I'm reminded of Alice Kayada, who I already mentioned, but Garrido could have a higher ceiling than Kayado. Him at 19 is what I saw from Kayado at 21. So we'll have to see how this next year and the year after do play out for Garrido. So of that group, you know, kind of interesting. Again, Faye, I think, is the one, and Lamine Mall, those two, honestly, are the ones I'm most interested to see. And then for me, Lopez, I don't expect him to be in the first team, but there's a reason he's going in this tour. So I'm also interested to see what he has to bring. I, I kind of started formulating this thought when you were talking about Carlos Alenia, but, you know, it sort of tied in as you as you spoke about the ceilings of, you know, for a few of these guys. And I think there's always so much, and particularly with Barca, I think even in the best of times, there's pressure to, you want every player to be some manner of elite, you know, and, uh, you know, rarely, rarely is Barca truly kind of happy with the, with the player whose, whose ceiling is solid organizational depth. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you need those people and obviously they, they, they kind of organically pop up. Sometimes they're prospects who didn't work out, you know, as, as stars, but they become functional, functional pieces. Sometimes it's really like those underdog, uh, non-prospect types that, punch beyond their level, but, you know, their level is never going to be stardom. So I, I think there's a certain element of, now I don't know specifically which players I would essentially sort of push my chips in with or not, but I, I think that particularly, and I hate to bring it back to this, you know, we, we haven't actually talked about it yet, but like the, uh, as long as finances are still front and center and so, you know, a, a thing to be considered, and I don't even mean to be considered, like a legitimate cost controls are a, are a big thing. And, you know, particularly for the next couple of years too, as the, as the stadium issues are whatever they are. I think that's where this team is going to have to find its organizational depth. You know what I mean? Like the, the, you know, you're like you, like you said, the, your sixth midfielder or your, you know, center back or, you know, your, your sixth defender, seventh defender, something like that. And I'm actually going to be very interested to, to watch these matches and really kind of acquaint myself in a much more, I guess, organic way, not where I'm not kind of cherry picking, you know, highlights from certain games or seeing the best of someone as you do in highlights, but really just kind of seeing, seeing a lot of these guys. It's usually around this time of year when I, when I do that. Cause I mean, I frankly just don't have tons of time between the, the men and Femini to, to watch a whole lot of uh, Barca B or Barca athletic. Yeah. Again, of this group, Lamini Mall, Faye, I think are the only two that could considerably get time for a team. And the rest, again, could have cameos and things like that. Unfortunately, I always want to say, too, because Gabi and Pedri and Balde are around, as I mentioned with Valle, it makes it a lot harder for everybody else to to, to get some kind of moment or a call up. And if I'm Eric Garcia, I'm looking around. I actually put him in the regulars part because it seems like he's going to be sticking around. But again, he's going to be sticking around with the understanding that he's probably not going to get almost any minutes at all with Inigo Martinez arriving. So th- that brings us to the rest of the group that's gone on the tour. Grunigan, Inigo Martinez, Oro Romeo made the trip. Those are the three new signings. And then the regulars, Ter Stegen, Araujo, Gabi, Demele, Pedri, Lewandowski, Ansu, Farron, Inaki Pena, Christensen, Marcus Alonso, Roberto de Young, Rafinha, Kunde, Eric, and Balde, and throw Kessie, I guess, in that group too as the regulars. So between the new signings and the regulars, I count 21 players for the first team. And my guess is that Gabi regularly goes and rides with 23. So Dest may be sticking around as a right back who can also play left back. And an academy kid will get those regular bench call-ups to fill out the bench when there are some injuries. So that way, Alarcon and then Lamini Mall, they did it last season. I could see those two in particular doing it again this season. So I, I think, yeah, as far as how Xavi is going, I think 
Some years they've had 25 and they've had to ship some out. But if nobody wants to leave, I mean, even with 21, and I added, again, Rafinha's in that group, as well as Eric, as well as Kessier. So guys who you thought might even be gone, or Farron and Ansu, right? That's five players right there. And the club, it seems like, are not going to be able to get rid of them. So they're going to have to ride with the 21 they have and see what they can do here. So as I said, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here, but I think it's 21 plus two in most of the, the team. And the real question is, again, the plus one. Is it two in Araujo? Likely not. Is it Dest? Maybe, again, I have not, we have not seen him connected to teams yet. And it's the middle of J- July, which is pretty telling. Not that Xavi has enjoyed what he saw from him, but rather that it seems like the club is not getting the proper valuation of him. He didn't really play much at AC Milan. And I mean, AC Milan, Barcelona, Ajax, like that's a, that's a huge, great CV for a young right back. It still is like, it's still a, a good, you know, submitting it to other teams. But I think that means that other teams aren't calling. And because Barcelona know they want to get rid of this, this early twenties, right back, young prospect that they're just not giving the valuation of that player that Barcelona is demanding. So I think they're going to hold on to that. And it's unfortunate though, because he sticks around Barcelona for six months until January and it's not like he's going to be worth more on the market in January unless teams are desperate and Barcelona might again be willing to say, all right, let's just eat it until January and then hope that somebody comes along who's desperate, who wants, again, a young right back to, to, to see what happens, to try it out. Because I can't see any other way of which he'll get a lot of minutes. I mean, because I, I think, is Xavi going to play Roberto at right back as the backup behind Kunde before he plays Dest? Given the clubs on, on Dest's CV and given his still very young age and you know given the fact that he has physical merits on the pitch first of all it's kind of interesting to me that no club even at a lower level thought it was worth thought it was worth a flyer that is a little bit of a head scratcher for me but um but I agree I mean I, I assume a lot of a lot of clubs probably assumed you know Barca has their price and I imagine a lot of people were trying any player that Barca is trying to sell I don't imagine there's a lot of teams lining up to pay, you know, top, top dollar or, you know, above market prices when you know that Barca are basically over a barrel. That being said, I mean, so presumably he's, you know, unless something changes, presumably he's going to be around till at least January. I'm going to predict, I think he gets a shot, maybe not a shot to be the, you know, the, the backup right back or whatever, but I think he gets at least a couple of shots, you know, here in the in the preseason and maybe in the early going, just second half subs and things like that to show a little bit of something because the benefits of that can be twofold. I mean, first of all, it's just beneficial to to this club, to Barca, as far as young contributors and having, you know, just a diversity of talent and greater depth and everything like that. And it gives you a chance to, you know, ideally, hopefully inflate his, his market value a little bit too. And... Yeah, there's a potential win-win scenario out there where he contributes as a as a spot as a spot substitute or in the worst case scenario, spot starter here and there, and all the while rebuilds his value and you get the contributions from him in the short term and you're able to actually move him along and clear the decks and ideally just give him a chance to to build a prosperous and hopefully lucrative career for himself somewhere else. Well, I do still think that even if Kessie, the reason why I would say that Kessie is the most likely midfielder to still move on before this window is closed in the next month and a half is because, again, Roberto might be seen as Xavi, maybe ahead of Kessie on the depth chart. 
in terms of what he, where he needs to be on the field. Because again, between Pedri and Gabi and and Gunnigan up top with those two with those three interior spots, even if they play again in a four three, not a four three three, but if they play those that box midfield and Romeu and De Young. And again, it's Roberto being more useful, being able to play a defensive midfield as opposed to, to Kessie, who, again, I mean, is he really that, right? It, it's in that four midfield. None of those four spots truly fit Kessie like a glove in a way that it being an interior in a 4-3-3 kind of did a little bit more, uh, being able to go box to box like he does. So I don't know. I, I think Roberto, whether he's a right back or a defensive midfielder, as I said, like you just, you have to kind of plug him in for at least 20 or 25 showing the season like without fail you kind of have to do it the same thing with with i mean eric last year and maybe eric this year again like you plug him in for like 17 appearances and it's just a matter of where they come and how they come and you know in a perfect world they only come again copa del rey or in cadiz or you know what i mean like like mid table or mid table or below yeah but also they he played champions league last year so i I mean you never know your injuries stand you know you never know how far to your depth chart on every position you go so again, you always hope that players are fit, but I mean, Pedri's Pedri, Araujo, Ronald Araujo, that being is Ronald Araujo, and you never know. All right, so second part of the show, we'll, we'll see how quick we can do this here. The Women's World Cup is kicking off. And so Caroline Graham Hansen and Ingrid Engen will be there for Norway in Group A. And Anna Maria Cernogosevic will be with Switzerland, also in Group A. Asasat Aswala will be with Nigeria in Group B. England with Kerry Walsh and Lucy Bronze in Group D. But they, that being England, are without Beth Mead, Fran Kirby, and regular captain Leah Williamson. So a lot more Walsh and bronze as far as important roles there. England is still one of the favorites in that tournament. Norway is on a favorite, but they could certainly make a run. JC will be there with Group F with Brazil. Group G has Fridolina Rolfo. And then 16-year-old midfielder Julia Dragoni was signed by Barca in January, played mostly for the Barca Femini B team. So far, she is 16, but she is undoubtedly a pretty exciting prospect. She likely won't play with Italy in case, uh, but in case she does, I mean, who knows? So between her and Vicky Lopez, some pretty two exciting young players for uh, for Barca. However, Vicky Lopez, a little bit too early for her to get called up to that Spain squad. Because if you notice, I didn't mention Spain. They're the story, of course, in Group C. One of the big stories of the tournament, Barcelona will be sending Catalina Cole, new signing Onabate, Irene Paredes, Laia Codina, Aitana Badmati, Alexia Buteas, and then B-team regular Maria Perez, Mariona Caldente, Salma Pariello, and Jenny Hermoso, who is no longer with Barca, but is now at Pachuca, is there yeah, too. But is in this Not there is inextricably linked. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Not there is Sandra Panos, Mapi Leon, Patri and Claudia Pina, yep. who have not returned after the player dispute that began in August of last year. Panos, they said it was reported, did not return because the manager in Jorge Vilda did not want to create some kind of goalkeeper consternation. But Mapi Leon, Patri, and Claudia Pina continued to refuse to, to come. Because again, the whole story is last August, there was a player dispute. It's where it began. The, the players and some of the, the more outspoken players an important locker room leader said to the manager Vilda, Hey, we don't like the way things are going in training. We're not a fan of the tactics. We're not a fan of the treatment. Well, it was also his, a fan his injury management. Like it was how seriously he was taking injuries yeah. and how, yeah, like how well he was actually looking after their health and well being while they were on international yep. duty. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And surprise, surprise, Vilda, he's still in charge. He's also gotten support from the RFEF president in Luis Rubiales. So in September of last year, the last 15 or the, the 15 players who withdrew from the team refused to be called up for a number of months. And as of March... With Alexei Buteas, who obviously was injured for that entire duration, serving as a moderator, some returned for the World Cup and some did not. Aitana has said that she chose to return because of positive changes that the Federation is in the process of making, but not everybody has returned. That's obvious when that obviously could be a major issue for Spain, but they are still a heavy favorite. And so of that group, Banmati, Onabate, and Mariona have returned. And as I said, Mapi Leon, Patri, and Claudio Pena, who all would have been in the squad, did not return. So, Emil, do you think, again, the big question, I mean, you could say who the favorites are. Otherwise, I didn't mention the U.S. They are certainly one of the favorites as well, but there are no Barca players. Someday I dream of it, but there are no Barca players Mm -hmm. playing for the the women of the U.S. Is Spain truly a favorite? I think that's a big question. I think people are going in. Are they still one of the favorites with all of this consternation? Or is this a, now I'm, I mean, I'm trying to think the year. What was it? Oh, was it France 20... 10? Yeah, yeah, was that the South be, African right? one where they, like, they had the full Yeah, mutiny? it was certainly, yeah. France 2010. I mean, is that really what we're looking at? Because again, if things go wrong in the first two games, I could really easily see this team going, hey, we told you this is going to go wrong, and we hate that this is going wrong. So the one, I, I don't know that it can, look, on the pitch, I could see where it might go a little bit sideways, because apparently there was even just like a Barca-Real Madrid rift, because essentially all of... Uh, Less, less 15 or less 15 say were essentially it was the Barca contingent and without without being too patronizing I mean essentially the Barca contingent is the overwhelming vast majority of players of consequence on this team and so you know so there's apparently a little bit of friction there so yeah I mean some of the Barca players come back and you know the the Madrid players who dutifully you know stood by the Spanish Federation and kind of never uttered a word either for for whatever their reasons were they're obviously going to get bumped down the the pecking order. So there's there's going to be a little bit of friction there, I believe. And secondly, I mean, we still need to see... I mean, I'm sure she's going to be fine, but, you know, like, Alexia still played very limited, sort of in kind of the, the games with with live ammo. I mean, she's only played, you know, a handful of minutes. So it might take a moment to for her to find her groove. Obviously, I think they have enough to to get through the group without a problem. I don't know that they're, yeah, I don't, I don't buy that this is a whole harmonious, harmonious camp, especially when you consider that sort of the, I guess the mirror image or sort of another, another version of 
the the Spain situation is what's is what happened with France, where what was her name uh, Corinne Diacre, their previous manager, who I mean, if you her controversy section on her Wikipedia page is hefty. So I mean, she has been basically an open. She had been in open conflict with most of the most important players on the French team. Basically, when she first got the job, she stripped Wendy, Wendy Renard of uh, Leon of the, the captaincy. And she subsequently stripped her own handpicked captain of the captaincy and cut her from the team later. So it was just, it was a complete, complete mess. And it was Wendy Renard and Amadine Henri and Katoto. Four of their stars basically retired or <laughs> refused, you know, did kind of the, the thing that Las Quince did. And, but basically the, the French Federation, despite having given Diacre, the old manager, an extension, axed her, and they brought in Harvey Renard, who's no relation to Wendy. He's got no experience in the women's game, but he is, you know, he's won the African Cup of Nations twice. And, you know, everything kind of coming out of their camp is, the, the vibes seem to have improved dramatically. So even if we take sort of the two most openly in revolt teams. So if you take France and France and Spain as those, I don't think the chasm in talent is so great between the two of them where France now at the very least for the, for the time being, for the moment, just being on a great, on an upswing with players coming back and Spain sort of like, and this is a conversation for another day. I do wonder what happens in the Barca dressing room when, you know, Aitana and, and everyone who, essentially mediated a did, did the mental gymnastics to to get back onto the onto the national team well i mean i think i think that's where alexi buteas kind of enters in this as that moderator i think alexi buteas it's gonna be exciting to watch this world cup i think as a barca fan for no other reason than to see her i, I mean arguably 100 percent fit for the first time in over a year now to see alexi buteas actually there again and I, I wouldn't be too concerned about the barca dressing room for that reason that Alexi Bateas has grown up with the club. Again, she, she's been there through thick and thin. Patrick the same way. Claudia Pina, well, kind of the same way. She was brought in. So was Montpellier. But you get the point. That I think Alexi Bateas is the big one. And it is interesting, too, because Spain, they're not missing major players because of injury. They're missing them because of, again, the omissions and the issues. While, again, for England, and you mentioned for France, for Henri and Cadotto, they will be missing through injury. The U.S., have a ton of injuries, Mallory Swanson among them, and uh, Sauerbrunn. So they are, that being the U.S. as well, like they're, every one of the favorites is missing three to four players that should have been consummate starters. And Spain is one of the teams that, again, they're not missing them through injury. They're missing them through the dispute. But they're missing them anyway. So it's, again, they're like this, not to say that the Women's World Cup is going to feel a little incomplete when it comes to these squads, but certainly a lot of these squads could be better. But the, it, the other end of that is the exciting part of that is that with all of that variance, there are favorites, but you really don't know. You know, it's not like there's two or three teams that seem like they're going to steamroll everybody else all the no, way to the finals. I don't, I, don't even, the I don't even see the U.S. necessarily. I would be shocked if you know if they didn't make the at the very least the the semifinal. This is the weakest U.S. of the last. You know, they've won the yes, last two World yeah. Cups. This is certainly the weakest exactly. of the three in all regards. So. I mean, for me, I'm excited to see what the best of the rest do, I guess you, if you will. I mean, Argentina might be fun. And 
I, you know, I am also gonna. I mean, I'll try to convince my mother-in-law yeah. to watch the Philippines with me. It's not gonna happen. Oh, yeah. We're obviously not gonna watch it live because <laughs> it's in Australia, so we have to record it. Yeah. But they're making their World Cup debut. Yeah. It would. I mean, they're just a fun story, and I'm hoping they beat New Zealand. I mean, that would be so important for for, for well, they, not only women's football but football in general in the Philippines. Well, they played the first two which, games um, already today, so New Zealand has beaten Norway one nil. Yeah, and Australia has beaten Ireland one nil. But that's uh, Australia and Ireland. They were the, the two hosts, host nations played. So it's one game from Group A and one game from Group B is is done. It's not they didn't do the full like Group A fully. But uh, so, right, yeah, no, it's so, in the morning, which is pretty incredible though. That again, Caroline Graham Hansen has already been put to the sword once by New Zealand. So that throws that well, like, Group A completely. What, out what of I was whack. just thinking too, like I mean, Norway basically between the eight nil dumping that they took from England at the Euros last year, and now rolling out and losing to New Zealand, who while playing at home, like has no business on a purely talent level competing with you right. know Hegerberg, Graham Hansen. Engen and you know the the Norwegian side, and they just came out and laid an egg in, in the in the World Cup opener too. Yeah, so again, three, 3 a.m. this morning, I'll I'll be taping it. We'll see what the Philippines can do. Uh, also, shout out to Megan Reyes, who used to work uh, with with me at, at Blue Wire Podcast Network, and and she worked actually worked for the network as well, just having a podcast. She did a uh, a podcast piece on the Philippines women's team that I got to be a part of, talked a little bit about Paulina Acantara there, who, for those, again, who knows their history, knows a connection there between the Philippines and, and Barcelona in that regard. So I came on as a guest for that. And that was a lot of fun. So, so shouts to her and, and shouts to the Women's World Cup. Hope, hope you, again, find the time. It is in, again, if you're in the U.S., it is in the early morning. So very difficult to watch. It's, it's, it's midnight if you're on the West Coast. It's 3 a.m. if you're on the East Coast usually. And, and for Barcelona, it's not, it's not, it's not too much better for you guys. What is it? Yeah, early morning for you, I guess, 9 a.m. Now, the one thing that I will say, and I, I realized as we were talking about this, we touched on a bunch of the, the different teams and the different nations. Now, because there is no real kind of U.S. connection, there's no Barca connection or anything like that, but very characteristically, you know who's quietly balanced, deep, stacked, and just waiting to be really, really good? Germany, because <laughs> I was going through them, I was like, there are no major injuries to to speak of. There doesn't yep. seem to be any discord. Like, there's is one of the few FAs that seems to have not blatantly mistreated as its female players. Yeah, I mean, and they're led by Pop Up Pop, yeah. who, if you remember from the Wolfsburg Champions League final with Barcelona, yeah. that there are some Germany players I think looking for a little bit of revenge on that Spain squad, and I, I think that's going to be a rallying cry for them. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Again, that'll wrap up our show. Follow him, Emil. Again, he's got some good stuff coming out um, all about uh, the Ronaldinho signing and, and stuff going on here. So on his side of stuff, so give him a follow and then follow us everywhere, you know, the Barcelona podcast, where to find us all this stuff. So thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.